Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2. Exodus 2, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read verses 1 through 4. I think I'll do that. How many know we need strong families? Amen. We need strong families. But if we wait until they're, if we wait until they're young adults to hope they'll live for God, dangerous thing. We've got to begin the process early. Chapter 2, verse 1, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three Months. He was a male child, and it was during a horrific season where these male children were being slaughtered. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes. She made a little basket, if you will, a, 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 a boat of bulrushes. She dabbed it with slime, with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank or river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Um, we have two, two parts of the process that have been done here. The weaving of the basket and then the sliming of the basket. And I want to preach about that just a little bit here today about the wonderful side. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful, but there's also a slimy side. <laughs> How many know there's a not so fun side of guarding our families? There's a, there's a beautiful side. It feels wonderful, but there are parts of it that I've got a slime for the severity of the journey ahead. And while this is for our children that are dedicated in these families, this is for the church family as a whole. I believe the Lord wants to do something in this house today. I want you one more time to lift your hands and lift your voices all over the building. God, we give you thanks and praise. Come on, let's do that right now. Oh, we magnify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We give you thanks and praise. Move on us, minister to our hearts. 
our minds, our spirits. Help us to receive the word of the Lord here today. We give you thanks and praise. And let everybody in the building say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Woven for wonder. The slime is for the severity. I've, I've got four children, as you know. Or maybe you are new and you don't, so I will tell you I have four children, which is enough of a reason if I'm not on your prayer list. If for some reason I haven't made it, if you could add us, and if I would add a little more to it, Brother Brzezinski, I got one of them graduating. And so my oldest, I'll take that. Oldest is about to graduate, 17, about to turn 18. And my youngest, my 10-year-old, reminded me the other day, there's just something Something about the mind of a kid. They're not necessarily always thinking ahead. Here's how that happened. And many and most of us in this room with children will relate or you'll remember and relate based on your own experience. He was completely dressed to leave. He was in his church clothes. And I heard the back door open. And I said, where are you going? Brother Sleeve, it was a normal response. He's 10. Where are you going? He said, I'm just going to play outside till we leave. <laughs> to which parents, you know what I responded. Those, those three great words. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not. You want to play outside? Why? Go tell your mom she wants you. <laughs> Who's ever used that line right? You know you have. Come on. But he was ready to run outside. And the only reason that as a parent, I think I have that built in. I wasn't watching when the door opened. I just heard it. And it was like a fresh word from heaven said, stop the kid. <sighs> what are you doing? The only reason I know is because early when we just had one, how many know the first kid's an experiment anyway? Yeah, yeah. You can act like. How many remember what happened when the pacifier fell to the ground with the first kid? We got to boil that for three minutes. You get four kids? By the fourth kid, that pacifier... Give that to that. You're laughing because you've done it. I know it's gross. I know it's gross, but parenting is hard. Somebody say parenting is hard. And I can remember... Numero uno, number one, the experiment. I can remember him being dressed for church. 
Now, I will say that, oh, I don't know, my, our Sunday school teachers, they're all in class. Should we? You ever had a kid come home with grass? As a dad, I, I've used this line. It's not me, but my wife will not like this. And guys are a little indifferent. We're a little more indifferent. But no mom wants to have their kid all dressed up for church. All cuted up. And I can remember Canaan all dressed up for church, looking all good, all spiffied up. Not when he was too young. When he was too young, I want to talk to my wife in retrospect. Some of the outfits we put on these little kids. I speak to you on behalf of photo albums everywhere. And moms that think it's a fun idea when a, when a friend comes over in the teenage years to say, have you ever seen their baby pic? No, they haven't seen those pictures. Nobody but you should see those pictures. But not when he was in some of those little, I can remember several times she'd put him in an outfit that I'd say, it's not, he's not wearing that. We're not going to. We're not going to do that. And she would say these words. Oh, it's cute. To who? And I, I, I dealt with the same experience many times at church. Ladies were gathered around him. Oh, he looks so cute. And guys were looking at me like. <laughs> Don't worry, we've lost two. But he was a little bit older. He was to that place where he'd go out in the yard and he could play. And I remember him being completely dressed for church. And, and all of a sudden, we're ready to go and we walk out. Kids have no concept of mud. No concept of dirt. We're rushing out the door. And, and, and when you're trying to get to church on Sunday morning, I find myself almost every time applauding people that got up and got their children together and got here. How many know it can be a nightmare? And then we're supposed to walk in like everything's perfect. Cool, calm, and collected. But getting children to safety is not easy. And there he was, his little outfit destroyed, and something was built in that time. Did it ever happen again? Absolutely. Did he ever go to church and ruin clothes? Absolutely. Did he ever try to play basketball in a suit and burn a hole through the... Absolutely. So what did you do? We tried to course correct, but those weren't the problems we were really concerned about. We were trying to instill parameters because while a grass stain is not that big of a deal, if we could begin to teach parameters from a young age, we knew that a sin stain was. And while a while a little bit of dirt on the bottom of the shoes, it might affect the pictures. And it might be a little bit more time in changing if we could teach him from a young age that there are parameters to what we can and what we cannot do. Hopefully it will begin to develop for this beautiful and the largest two-letter word out there. The word is no. I want to go. My flesh wants to go. But I must say no. What a torturous and a tragic time it truly must have been when Moses is delivering. 
Not simply for the pain of childbirth, but with the pain of childbirth, understanding that male children, because of the unfortunate time that they were living in and the declaration that male children were to be slaughtered when they were not of the Egyptians, what a tragic and a horrific moment that it must have been. And ladies, I don't want to walk any of us back down through that birthing process and understanding that there was no doubt pain and, and some of you got an epidural and some of you didn't and we're not going to talk about that. Or maybe we should. But it was painful. But can you imagine? And I, I really can't. I tried to. I, I tried to sit and talk through this and, 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 and focus in on this with the Lord. What, what, what must it have been like, Brother Ross, for her to be birthing this child, carrying the child and hiding him all along. Trying to keep anyone for nine long months. It, it was well past the early stage of the belly bump that was, that was there. It, it, she had to hide all along through the pregnancy process. Nine full months. And then the, the exhaustion of the birthing process as it were. Only to know that if anyone hears me deliver. If anyone catches word of what should have been, it should be one of the greatest and most seismic shifts in our family's life. It should be something that is beautiful that we can call the friends and the family together. It is the birthing of our beautiful little bambino, the, the little boy that is coming to be here with us. Everyone should be able to be joyful and yet she must give birth in secret. And then after she has given birth, she must begin to hide the child. Now, I want to pause right at the beginning of this message and tell you my first and what I believe may be one of the most critical points for this entire message is nobody can love your family like you. Outside of God, no one can love your family like you love your family, like you love these babies and like you love your babies. How many caught that last Sunday night when Brother, Cal when Brother Gallion was preaching? He made the mistake of calling his mom. Calling his mom was priceless. Not telling her that she shouldn't call him baby in front of a thousand people. Because I will use that for the rest of my life. She said, I love you, baby. He said, no, okay. Plan was going real good. To... Because it doesn't matter if they're 40, does it? Doesn't matter whether they're a day old or whether they're all the way up into having children of their own. You can have grandchildren and great-grandchildren, but your family is yours. And she put something, Jochebed put something on display for us here. I know there is a decree for them to die. I understand that there is a decree from the Egyptian government, but I'm telling you, I am not letting this evil government I'm not letting this sinful scheme destroy my baby without a fight. And so she has hidden the pregnancy and she has hidden the delivery and then she hides the birth while she begins to nurture it. I would preach to every man and every woman in that. Now we've already talked that the covenant is not just for the family. It's not just for the child, but it's for the entire church. And I'm going to tell you that Jochebed was not alone on this hiding. 
Brother Massengale, she wasn't the only one in on the process, but there were more people that believed in her promise that helped her hide the promise right along with her. And I understand that we are living in a world right now that wants to destroy what God is trying to birth as prophetic promises, but we've got to become brothers and sisters in the Lord and family members that will get around the Jochebed right now and will say, you know what, I know that there has been destruction spoken, but I believe there's a plan that is too big. Woo! I believe there's a plan that is too big. I will tell you, that's a big part of the mission of this church. It's why we strive to have a powerful children's ministry. Having children's revival two weeks ago, not everybody understands that. Why are you doing that? I'll tell you why we're doing that. Because we believe there's promise in that child. I understand there... I understand there might be a decree out there to destroy children, but here's what I believe. We've got a church that says, no, we're going to guard the babies. We're going to do the best we can, and then we'll let God do what only he can. I know there's some things that only God can do, but you hear me right now. There are some things we can do. Don't you believe the lie that it's all up to God because it's not all up to God. You hear me right now. It's not all up to God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them some of it's up to you. Some of it's up to me. There are some things that are up to God. And once we put this baby in the water, it's going to be up to God. But how we put the baby in the water is up to us. Ooh. Brother Henderson, once you drop that sweet little baby in there by the bulrush, you put it in the water by the, by the flags in the river. I understand out of your control. But how you prepare once you put him into the water. That's why we are a church that believes church is a necessity. Coming to the house of God is critical. We don't believe that it's optional. Well, it's 2022. I don't understand. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what Jochebed did. She got alone in a corner and she began to take those strands of the earth and she began to intricately weave them together. And I think that as she weaved, she wove those, those strands. She prayed over the child and she began to pull them together. And while it might look intricate and even ornate as a basket or the Bible would call it an ark, I can't imagine how, how tireless the work would be. I, I don't know if you ever went and seen a basket made. Who remembers Longenberger? Remember Longenberger? We lived in Ohio. We, we, we lived there and we would drive down the road and see that giant basket bigger than our church. And it was built showing the way it was all woven together. They put on display the way that the work. Now, if you pay that much for a basket, bless you. And I'm, I'm good with it. But it, it was showing how it was woven together. But you listen to me. It doesn't matter how beautiful her basket was when she built it. Because when she wove those pieces together, it doesn't matter how great the fabric was, how sturdy it was when she pulled it, how, how delicate her work was. When she pushed it, it was beautiful, but its job was not to be beautiful, it was to be sustaining. 
And so while it looked intricate and it was detailed, and I'm going to tell you there is a weaving process that must occur. The things that we weave together, we weave together our yeses and we weave together our noes. We weave together what we allow with what we do not allow. This church on display, if you would allow yourself visually to see it, you could see the way that it is woven together. It is woven together with the multiple avenues of children's ministry and young people's ministry and young adult ministry and elders ministry. And when it comes to our families, we have our young married groups and then we have our middle married groups and then we have our more mature group and, and all of these different things, they are woven together intricately. But I will tell you that the structure alone, please catch this, the structure alone will not keep someone afloat. The structure alone would not keep Moses up while he was placed into the water. But mama knew, I have not hid him this long to let him sink when I put him in the water. So she has to take this pitch and she has to begin to slime it. She takes what one translation calls asphalt and slime and begins to dab and, and, and work through that basket and all of those open cracks and creases. She begins to mud that into the side. It's not going to look as pretty when she does, when she does this. It's not going to be as aesthetically pleasing, but it's going to be a lot safer when she's done. We're not in this to look pretty. We're in this to keep people alive and, 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 and. She was, in, she was in the preservation business. And ladies and gentlemen, as believers, we are in the preservation. Brother and Sister Bigelow, there is, there is no doubt in my mind you would do anything you can to guard and keep and protect this sweet little baby. You would guard him from those things that would try to work in against him. But there will be things in his life that the enemy has laid as snares and their desire are from the enemy himself that would sink him because the enemy's desire has not changed. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. And there are things we can do in structure. How many know a kid needs structure? Nobody in this room, as these babies begin to grow, you don't let to get, they don't tell you when their bedtime is. How many know they'd like to? I don't go to bed at eight. Oh, when do you want to go to bed? You want to go to bed at 11? Okay, well, let's do that. You're the boss. Not a parent in this room. Somewhere around the first child you learn, let them cry, they'll fall asleep. Right? You're putting that structure in their room, in, in, into their life. You're working that structure in, and, and that structure is necessary. Just as important that when you send them to school, you anticipate that there is a structure for their learning. If you send them to first grade and they carry home a calculus book, doesn't make any sense. And so we weave curriculum together over the years. What do we do here? We try to, we try to take our, our, our dedication time together and we, we weave it directly into the nursery and the relationships. And sometimes when there's not even family, there's other families that are connected to the church and, and they come in and they become the adoptive mother the adoptive grandparents and that weaves the body together and it brings them in tight. But listen, structure alone will not keep the baby alive. We get inundated at times with, we need to add this ministry. And if you know me very well, you know, if it's, if it's valuable, I probably want to add it. I probably want to do it. But adding structure without taking the dirty work time, 
of getting down and getting our hands on the structure and saying, I need, the, I need the structure of the church, but the church alone cannot save my child. I, as the parent, because I want the preservation of Moses, because I want the preservation of the next generation, because I want my little girl or I want my little boy to make it, I, as the parent, have to begin to invest. And so I reach in, and I, I know it's slimy, but it's necessary. And I take the structure of the church, and I mix it in with the yeas of the Lord, and I mix it in with the scriptures of the Lord, and I begin to press those things in to the woven basket and I, I push and it will not be glamorous because I'm telling you right now all night prayer meetings are not glamorous Ooh, I felt a little check right there all night prayer meetings are not glamorous laying outside of our children's room and pleading the blood of Jesus Christ it's not glamorous it's slimy it's dirty it's, but it's necessary it's necessary. And whether they are a small infant that we are trying to protect naturally for the reason, it's not simply so that they can stay alive. It's because the mission that's ahead. And that's the second great point that I would like to try to get to for every parent to hear me. Jochebed understood the preservation of Moses is for much more than him. The preservation of Moses is for much more than him. There is an entire world that is counting on what this child believes. Now, parents, no one can brag on our children like us. Every child here, this is an amazing thing. I want to give you great revelation. Every child here is the smartest child in the world. Just ask the parents. And it's the way that it works, and we understand that. But, but Moses... I've got to keep you alive, not just because of my love for you, but because of the dynamics of the world ahead. Here's what I believe. I believe that God is entrusting children to apostolic families because they are a part of the revival that God is giving in this next generation. They won't be raised like just any child. They won't be kept like just any child. But we will, as we drew from on Wednesday night, we will stand up, Brother Vite, and we will speak the Shema over them. We will say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And it might not be glamorous, and it might seem slimy to other people, and it might seem like we're drawing something from the earth and, and they're trying to understand what are you doing but here we are on the banks of the river called this world and we recognize that there is an enemy that wants to destroy our children so I need to make sure that when I put the basket in the when I put the basket in the water, I need them to have enough word that will keep them up. I, I need them to have enough coverage that, that it will keep the water because the water wants to seep in and, and there's a drowning that will want to occur. And I don't want them to prematurely be lost when I believe that there is a rescue. Pharaoh's daughter finding this baby is going to be a miracle, but the miracle could not happen unless the mother put something in the basket to preserve the child. So I've got to do what I can do, and then I've got to trust that God will direct and do what only God can do. And I've got good news for us in this building. There is no God like Jehovah, and no one has greater plans. No one has greater plans for your children, grandparents, no one has greater plans for your grandchild. No one has greater plans for your family than the Lord. We need a good old-fashioned revival of, I'm going to do what I can do. You do what you can do. I'll give it my best. You be God. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Tell him you're not God.
Turn to the other neighbor and tell him you're not God. Brother Sleeve, I love you, but you're not God. Brother Faulkner, I love you, but you're not God. I don't need you to be God. Brother Ben, seven kids, you're not God. But I tell you what you are. You're the best Ben Houck they can have. You're the best Stacy Houck. They, you're the best daddy they can have. And you're the best mama they can have. And it's not your job to be God, but it is your job to say there are things that are necessary in my family. There are things that are necessary in my home. Why are you going through this struggle? The basket isn't pretty. I don't need the basket to be pretty. I need the basket to float. I need this. I need to get a setup for the miraculous. And there's no way you can watch the story of Moses and the divine leading of that daughter finding the baby and Moses' sister watching from a distance. There's no way you can watch this all play out and not think, whoa, that's a miracle. It's a miracle that baby was found. It's a miracle she was found, but you listen to me. It's not a miracle that he wasn't drowned. It is a miracle that his own mom gets called to nurse him. When the request comes, would you like me to get someone to take care of the child? I know a lady. That's miraculous placement work. But it's not miraculous. And I've heard people talk about it too romantic, that it was miraculous that he didn't float. It wasn't miraculous that it didn't float. She took her time to get it right. Parenting takes time, working on it, keeping our children. It takes time. It's not, it's not exciting. It's exhausting. Where are my real parents at right now? It's not exciting. I just love changing diapers. You're weird. If you love, that's odd. You need to join a group. That's exhausting. Bunch of these families right now are in the middle, middle of the night and they wake up for a feeding. Guys, pretend that you can't hear your wife. You don't even snore. <laughs> Babe, it's your turn. Babe, it's your turn. You're over there like, oh God. Oh God. It's not my turn. We've all, you know it. That's not exciting. That's exhausting. What do you mean 3 a.m. feeding? What? How many moms remember that season? Just wave at these mamas down here so that they can know you've been there and you made it. How many know sometimes you got to tell them we made it? Because sometimes a new mother, sometimes a new mom's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And the dads too. Some of my funniest conversations with parents over the years has been when there's a new child and the dad complains. <laughs> if looks could kill. When the dad's like, it's just really tough and the long nights and my... I always know it's bad when the, when the young mom closes her eyes, when she goes like this. Because I know what she's doing. She's thinking, help me not to murder this man. It's not exciting. It's exhausting. But you hear me right now. It is rewarding. 
It is rewarding. There's going to be times when it's exhausting because that's a part of the process. But it is our job and it is our opportunity to say, if I can keep them alive long enough, there might be an absolute divine God connection. That is my prayer as a pastor, and I believe it is your prayer as parents. God, help me to do my job until a divine God connection can occur. Woo! Here's what I believe. It's why I want the Holy Ghost in our Sunday school program. I think if we can get divine God connections to occur in our children, we won't have to fight them to live for God. We won't have to beg them to live for God. We can get some early divine God connections. And then even if Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house, he'll remember, I'd rather suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of Stand with me all over this house. We're not trying to raise worldly children. We're trying to raise godly children. But the blessing will come through the preserving, through the guarding, through the keeping. It'll come through, it'll come through taking that woven process. And there might even be times when somebody else's parents allow them to do something that you're afraid might sink your child. Your parenting style cannot be, well, what do their parents say? It might not work for your family. Come on, how many know that's real talk right there? Might not work. Well, what's, what's Susie's mom say? Do you, you better really know the spiritual condition of Susie's mom. Here's our first line of defense. What's the word say? What does our word instruct us? Brother Marshall, we were gathered here this week for the tournament. All these hundreds of kids, some of these little kids quoting hundreds of scriptures, sitting out in the hallways and quoting verse after verse after verse after verse after. That's not glamorous. To the average, to the average kid out there, that's weird. But let me tell you what it is. It's a little bit of asphalt. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit of slime. Let's get this hardened up in such a way that my child. Would you lift your hands all over this house with me right now? Ah. Uh, This isn't just for children that are being dedicated today, but these are for families all over this room. You might be a mother, you might be a father. You're irritated all the time right now. I'm asking you to look inside because the irritation is not what you think it is. You need to look inside. What can I be doing? What should I be doing to guard and to secure, to keep the ark afloat. What can I do for my children? 